1: This is The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word
0: is sharper than any two-edged sword And it cuts deep into my heart
1: The Word to Stand On for Life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. Celebrating our 10th year of ministry on AM 630 The Word. Visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh.
2: Welcome to the program. It's Monday. It's a brand new week. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is the word to stand on for life a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions, questions about life, anything going on, questions about stuff you heard in church yesterday, whatever is on your heart. All you have to do is call us, 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. Or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And remember, if you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. I hope you had a great day yesterday in church. Uh, We did. Lots and lots of people were here. Uh, Pray some got saved. I pray that happened at your church as well. Hey tonight here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, we continue our women's sweet summer devotion series. Uh Rosalinda Gonzalez will be sharing her heart tonight. I'm I'm thrilled to to be able to watch this. Uh, you know, uh, Rosalinda, her husband Rick was the very first elder uh that that we had here at Calvary Chapel San Antonio and he's been elding for like 26 of our 27 and a half years. So Um, uh, I'm interested. uh, Can't wait to hear what she has to say. Um, All you have to do is get here and you can participate in the Q&A afterwards. And there's a lot of ministry done, a lot of ministry done in that Q&A. So it's better to be here. Then to watch it online, but if you can't be here, you can watch it at calvarysa.com. Remember, we have uh, men's and women's Bible studies at the same time, also youth, junior high and high school, and we also have people take care of the the smaller children and teach them as well, so you can make it a, a family outing night, and we'd love to see you here. Well, let's get to some questions that have been sent in while we await any phone calls. Uh, Reuben, we've been praying for you all weekend. If you could give us a call and let us know that your dad is okay, uh, we would like that as well. So whatever's on your heart, um, we'll we'll take those questions. Here is a question from our mobile app. This one is from Matt. He says, Hi, Pastor Ron. As you know, we see many false pastors and preachers. I'm curious to know, do you think that the devil appoints these false pastors pastors and preachers, or is this the work of man? Matt, 100%, 100% I think this is the work of man. This is flesh. This is flesh. Let me also say something else that might be a little confusing, but but I don't think many of these false pastors and teachers, uh, especially in the prosperity group, I don't think they started out that way. I really don't. I think this is a lesson for all of us about how easy it is to get thrown off track. Um, they start out, they want to bring people to Christ. Obviously, they don't have a great theological background. Their doctrine uh, is is sketchy and they're prone to being deceived. Um, but I think it gets tiring to um, watch other churches with lots of people and you're just getting started. It gets harder and harder. And finally, you f- settle on a message that people will pay to hear, and um, uh, it just it's just very seductive. I think it's flesh we want to be liked, we want to be popular, um, we can care less about being uh, faithful to the calling that Jesus has given us um, and then I think the minute we take that step, then Matt, I believe the enemy. Um, gets involved, and gets us locked into a position. You know, it's interesting, in the last year, uh, and one of these just recently, I think in the last couple of weeks, uh, we've had some pretty well-known false teachers, Joyce Meyer, um, uh, first among them, um, and and more recently, Creflo Dollar, who, at least in my view, was the worst of the worst. And they have both um, backed away from their positions, asked for forgiveness for some of their bad teachings and their emphasis on money and in kreflo dollar 's position their um, their um, uh, flat out lying about um, giving and their teachings on giving um, we 'll see in the long term how that goes, um, but you know to humble yourself um, it's hard. It's hard. So, yeah, I I think the the, the, de- the devil does not appoint them. I think they start out well, and I think they get seduced into doing that which is easy. You know, Matt, one of the things that I've said on this program uh, many times, um, it's, it's easy to have a big church. All you have to do is give people what they want. Instead of telling them the truth, um, you just tell them what they want to hear, And they will come, and pretty soon it's easy to start thinking that you're doing something good. The biggest church in Texas, of course, is one of the worst false teachers uh, we've got in Houston. Um, There just isn't anything he says that's true. Um, But, you know, I don't want to offend anybody. And he won't take a stand with or for Jesus Christ. And um, we find ourselves in a trap. And they don't want to get out of it. So, um, you know, I hope that's enough, Matt, but but, um, something that we all have to be careful of. Thank you for the question. Here's an anonymous question from our email inbox. Hi, Pastor Ron. I hope all is well. I'm a professing Christian. Interesting way to start this letter, Anonymous. Um, My question, concern, has to do if I'm wrong or right. My son, who is a Christian, tells me that I put bingo in front of Jesus, but I don't believe that's the case. I go to church once or twice a week. I give my tithes and offerings to my church. I usually play bingo once or twice a week as well. I travel to Eagle Pass or nearby major cities and Vegas about five times a year. I told him that he's judging me and being legalistic. I'm not a big praying or Bible reading person, but I go to church every Sunday and Wednesday. Well, when I'm in town and I go to our weekly Thursday women's Bible study, I'm in my 60s and I enjoy spending time with my husband and family members. And so bingo is where I am during my leisure time. Am I wrong for this? Thank you, Pastor. Uh, Boy, I've got so much uh, just in what you've said, Anonymous. One, let me say your your, your, your son, rather, is being legalistic. I'm sure there are Christians who play bingo and I'm sure there's nothing wrong with it. Um, but but getting that out of the way, I'm concerned about you. You think you're a Christian because you go to church. Uh, what makes you think you're a Christian? Um, I, I don't hear it because you love Jesus. I don't hear it because you're born again. I don't hear it because you're a sinner, and the only way to get to heaven is to have the forgiveness of sins, and only Jesus can do that. I don't see any indication um, um, in your your email that um, you really understand your relationship to Jesus Christ, that you give your tithes and offerings to the church, that means nothing. Being saved is born again. And you didn't say, I am a Christian. You said, I'm a professing Christian. So here's what I would tell you, Anonymous. If you want to play bingo and God doesn't want you to play bingo, you get born again and you'll respond to what he wants for you. But it seems like you go to church to check off some little religious boxes. Seems like you give for the same reason. Um, I'm sure Jesus doesn't care if you play bingo. But but I hope what your son is trying to communicate to, and I hope you're misunderstanding, him, is that that anything you put before Jesus is a, a an idol. And that violates the very first of the commandments. So you have to decide this between you and the Lord. But, but the question you have to ask is, what makes me think I'm a Christian? Why don't you know for sure? Why don't you know for sure that you're a Christian? And remember, it has nothing to do with just going to church, being a Christian, is loving Jesus more than you love anything or anyone else in your life. And do we really owe him any less than that? The Apostle Paul says that we're to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord. Does that describe your life? Does your commitment to Jesus come before anything else? There's a lot of things, Anonymous, that I like to do But none of them compares to what I get to do for Jesus, for his glory. I mean, the reason I'm on this earth is to do what I do. And in the process, hopefully, he's pleased. That's the one thing that drives me. I want to be pleasing to the Lord. And it does sound a little bit that you would rather play bingo than to be with Jesus. Do you? Go to church just to go, or do you enjoy being at church and serving other people as much as you enjoy playing bingo? So those are questions that you're going to have to answer. Yesterday in our Bible study here, uh, it was more of a preaching message yesterday than it was a Bible study. Um, but the whole idea is is um, you know, a Christian, a real Christian is going to demonstrate fruit of being a Christian. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. Does that describe your life? Is your life filled with joy? Not fun. When you go to church, are you as excited as when you go to bingo? See, there's no place I'd rather be than here. So, again, these are questions that you're going to have to answer. I don't have the answer for it, but the Holy Spirit, I promise you, will show you if, in fact, you will um, give him the opportunity to do so. Here's a question from Carlson. Um, He says, my question comes from Luke chapter 9, verses 49 and 50. Let me read him first. Master said, John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he's not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for whoever is not against us is for you. I think that's incorrect. Uh, is for us is, is what he said uh, when I read this I get a picture of big tent revivals full of snake oil sellers rattlesnakes and sweaty faced loud evangelists I believe I have heard you also state that you and Mama Paula did not have a good experiences in some churches when you were new Christians because of some of the things you saw and heard that uh, just seemed staged and fake are we really not to rebuke a person we see who seems more like a carnival worker than an authentic Christian Um, Carlson, a couple of things. First, you're missing the whole point of Jesus' passage here. This is a rebuke to John and James. Um, um, You know, they thought, well, well, you know, it's just us. And I think a lot of us as Christians, we've got this uh, idea that that uh, if people aren't doing what we do the way we do it, then they're doing it wrong and they've got to do it the way we want to do it. And Jesus is just telling them, look, if he's doing good things and he's doing them in my name, then he may not be one of the 12, but he belongs to me. And so what Jesus is dealing with here is a divisive spirit, sort of a small-minded view of the church of Jesus Christ, Carlson, there are a lot of people who do things way, way different than I do. But I can see so much fruit coming from their ministries. So that doesn't mean that because they don't do the way I do, I should um, oppose them. And that's what John is saying. Um, John and James. So it's very, very important that that you understand the purpose of the passage. Now, Um, to your other points um, uh, Paula and I we didn't have some good experiences Uh, there was uh, that experience when they tried to prime the pump and make Paula speak in tongues and all they really did was terrify her Um, um, we went to churches where there were a lot of loud people doing things and conducting church services that were completely out of control but for me that was good because I needed to learn what was right and experience what was wrong uh, because God knew what my calling was going to be. So, um, yeah, we, we, the, the difference between doing something differently as John and James were talking about, um, and, and being wrong, being, being a false teacher, are completely different things. So, um, I don't think we should be ready to rebuke anybody, but I think we need to confront false doctrine. Now, let me also say this. There are people, Carlson, who are just loud. I'm not one of them. I can't even yell. I've never, ever in 27 plus years, never raised my voice at the church. Um, I just keep thinking, if I seem angry to somebody, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to misrepresent Jesus. So I, I just never could do that. Um, but there are people that have different styles. And, you know, they're, they're, the seminaries taught them differently. And um, well, well, I don't like it personally, uh, I certainly wouldn't rebuke them. Who am I to rebuke somebody else? False doctrine is something that's altogether different. Uh, false doctrine puts people in harm's way. And those are the people that we have to say things to when and if we have the opportunity. One other issue that we have here, Carlson, is that there's a lot of Christians. I'm not saying this is the case with you. But there's a lot of Christians who feel like it's their duty to rebuke people. I've actually had people tell me that their spiritual gift is a gift of rebuking. Um, I have discernment, so God sends me to rebuke people. No, he doesn't. Uh, it's not our responsibility at all. Um, correct false doctrine, protect the flock of God, but by all means, don't worry at all about um, people that are doing things just differently and you think they ought to do them the way that you did. That's the the case with the question uh, from John and James toward Jesus. Three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions. Here is a question from Jeffrey. It's similar to my bingo question a moment ago. Jeffrey says, is it a sin to play poker? My friend says it is and I should stop. Um, Jeffrey, uh, no, it's not a sin to play poker. Um, if you've heard my testimony, I was a huge gambler and, and believe me, my motives were so wrong. Yeah, it was sin for me, but God fixed that. But I can tell you, I know professional poker players who are strong believers. And they're good stewards of their money. And, and so, yeah, uh, it's not a sin to play poker. Now, here's the problem. Romans fourteen twenty three says anything or everything, I think is where it's used, everything not from faith is sin. So if you sit down and play poker and your conscience is bothering you, that's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, I've got something better for you. But no, poker is a game. Um, I used to own racehorses in my old days when I had money and was successful. Um, and and um, I, I know jockeys and owners who are pretty radical believers. And people say, yeah, but it's a gambling sport. Well, God has Christians everywhere. So, Jeffrey, here's, if I were you, I would tell my friend this. I would say... If you can show me in the Bible where it says I'm not to play poker, I'll stop and I'll stop immediately. But if you can't show me, then leave me alone. You do your thing and I'm going to do my thing. And then it's between you and the Lord. And if poker is a problem, if gambling is a problem, then it's sin for you. If you feel convicted, if the Holy Spirit doesn't want you in that place and he's trying to direct you someplace else, if you surrender to the will of God for your life, he'll let you know. But there's nothing at all wrong with sitting down and playing an innocent game of poker. If you win a few bucks or you lose a few bucks, it's no big deal. But but remember, motive is everything. And listening to the conscience of being pricked by the Holy Spirit is something that we all have to learn to do. So I I wouldn't let my friends tell me what I should or shouldn't do. There are things that are questionable, things that the Bible doesn't deal specifically with, and those are the things that we have to deal directly with the Lord ourselves on. And believe me, the Holy Spirit, Jeffrey, will be faithful to tell you what's right or what's wrong. You know, I remember um, a, a famous jock named Pat Day, Um, with his first um, Kentucky Derby win, and he's won several. Uh, His first Kentucky Derby win, and I've I've known Pat. Um, um, You know how the, the outrider will run up and put a microphone in his face. Pat, great race. Congratulations, your first Kentucky Derby winner. And then he put the microphone in his face, and here's what he said. God works all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And um, God got some glory that day. So, uh, I, you know, I just think we should all kind of stay out of other people's business and mind our own. I think that would be the best thing for all of us to do. Sandra says, Pastor, will you ever do a series on Christian parenting? I need the help. Um, Sandra, I don't usually frame things in this, this type of, of um, um, words, wording. Uh, but the, by far, the most listened series that I've ever done, um, and I don't do series, so it doesn't happen, but I mean, of all the tapes that went back when we used to give out tapes and now downloads and things like that, uh, I have on our website a series on, on Christian parenting, and um, I'm going to guess here. I haven't looked at it in a long time, but I think there's nine parts to it. So it's nine separate weeks. I did it on a Wednesday or Friday night. I don't remember which. And it's been several years ago, but I still get people who are listening to that and getting comments on it. And so I think that would be uh, constructive for you. Um, go to calvarysa.com. And I think there's a section for special messages, but it shouldn't be too hard. I'm a technical dummy. And so I've asked the guys here to make it easy enough for me to find stuff. So I think it's pretty easy for most people to to navigate the website. But uh, the the series on Christian parenting um, uh, overwhelming response and numbers of of uh, views and listening. I, I don't, I'm trying to remember if it's if it's just audio or video. I don't remember, but it's been a long time ago. Uh, but I think it was really, really a good series. I was really pleased. I felt like it was what God wanted me to do. Okay, I'm doing. My producer's just telling me it's audio only, um, so uh, that's better than having to look at me while you're listening to it. Anyway, so uh, try that Um And I don't know if I'll do another one uh, as the Lord leads, but, but so far that's not been the case. Sandra, I don't know where you go to church, but there's all kinds of help in church. One of the great things that we have, uh, and all churches have the same resources, but, but when when um, somebody comes to me and they're struggling with, with kids or issues, discipline, or whatever, the, the uh, especially unity between the, uh, the, the father and the mother, um, um, I've got so many people here in the church who have gone through successfully the same things that others are going through that i think the biggest resource that's available to you is the body itself and when someone will come to me and say you know we're struggling with this we're struggling with that instantly there'll be a name popping in my mind and say can i ask you before we continue this and i i'll be happy to sit in counsel with you but before we continue can i ask you to sit down with with uh, this man this woman and and uh, cuz they've been through it and that really 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 helps. So that's, um, I think, your best resource of all, Sandra. Thank you very much. Last question for this half of the program. Connie, she wants to know, is organ donation okay for Christians? Absolutely, Connie. Not only is it okay, but it's decidedly Christ-like, isn't it? I mean, giving to others being a blessing to others. I think that's what Jesus' ministry, a ministry that was completely focused on others rather than self. He said, I didn't come to be served, but rather to serve. And that's what we're doing. And I think, yeah, it's a wonderful thing. Um, uh, I'm an organ donor. Now I'm getting old enough. I don't know if anybody would want any of my organs. But uh, yeah, I think it's very, very Christ-like. And I just think it'd be a wonderful gift to be able to give somebody... Um, uh, organs that would help them improve the quality of their lives so yeah I I think that would be a great witness and a great testimony we have had lots of people uh, who donated their organs um, upon their death and um, in some of those cases we actually get to know where some of those organs went so Connie yes yes a thousand times yes We've got 30 minutes left in our Monday show, 340 9585, or toll free 877 630 KSLR. This is the word to stand up for life. We will be back on the other side of the break. See you in two minutes.
1: Welcome back to The Word to Stand On for Life, celebrating our 10th year of ministry on AM 630 The Word. We're taking your calls at 210-340-9585. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh.
2: Welcome back to the program, 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Here's a question from Liz. She wants to know, Will there be marriage in heaven? Uh, Only, yes, there will be marriage. We'll we'll all be married to Jesus, but there won't be marriage like we have it here. Uh, I tease Paula all the time, Liz, and tell her that that while she won't have to be married to me in heaven, that God will still make her hang around with me. And we'll be together, of course. But, But no, we won't be married because we will all be married to Jesus. Having said that, uh, you know, when I first got saved and I realized that, somebody told me, I said, what do you mean Paul and I won't be married? We finally have a, a good marriage, a Christian marriage, and we won't be married in heaven. Our love will be pure, more pure. Our love will be richer and more passionate than than it's ever been on this earth. Everything in heaven is going to be better because we're married to Jesus. So, Liz, there won't be marriage the way you're thinking of it in heaven Um, but um, your husband um, will have to stick around with you for that, I'm sure. Thank you for the question. Here's Anonymous. He says, or she says, as a believer, I still struggle with depression, and it keeps keeps me from being passionate about Jesus. Is something wrong with me? Anonymous, I really want you to hear my heart here. Um, Depression and discouragement is something that All of us face it sometime or another. How we deal with it depends directly on our relationship to Jesus Christ. In his presence is the fullness of joy. It's one of the big points that I made in my Bible study yesterday. Uh, We've got to have joy. Um, That doesn't mean that we're happy. It doesn't mean that we're we're pretending everything is okay or we're in denial about real situations. But... um, Jesus is the answer for depression. Now, that does not mean that if you suffer with a clinical problem, if you need medication, those kind of things. um, You know, sometimes the chemistry in the brain is off. Uh, But if it's just depression because of your circumstances, then you're closer to your circumstances than you are to Jesus. And being passionate for the Lord... Uh, is, is not a decision that any of us should have to make it's something that 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 flows from him so um, you know when you're depressed here's what you do you you fight harder to do the things that you don't feel like doing you you get out of bed you get ready you serve you pray you 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 open your Bible and I realize when people are feeling discouraged or depressed nobody wants to do those things but that's why we have to fight. We have to fight to get to the place where, where um, you know, we're going to win this battle. We can't let the enemy win, and we've got to keep fighting. And here's the thing that I want you to really, really try to understand. I'm ask you sort of to ask God to increase your faith, but but you've got to realize that when you step outside of your circumstances and you do it because you want to be pleasing to the Lord, He's the one who's going to meet you. And He's going to meet you in such a way that he'll take care of your depression. Again, I'm not talking about clinical depression. I'm not talking about people that need medication. But just the general um, uh, people in life who are, who are discouraged and depressed or were in bad moods, um, Jesus is the answer. I have people say, well, you're being too simplistic. There's n- that's, that's why our faith is so rich and so vibrant, because it is simple. And what he does for us and through us is changes everything about us. So here's what I would ask you to do. Um, take this prayer to the Lord. God, you know that I'm struggling. Let me get so close to you that your joy washes all over me and comes through me. One other thing that I find personally, and I'm not a, just a typically happy person, Um, um, but, but for me, serving other people immediately changes my emotional state. Um, you know, if if you're looking at at you and want to make you feel better, then it's going to be a long, hard battle. But if you take the power of the Holy Spirit living in you and you turn it outward to be a blessing to others, you don't even think about you anymore. And I tell people, I don't mean this in a flippant way, but, you know, the way to really be depressed is spend more time with yourself. But if you spend that time with Jesus, and if you let him lead you, and you're ministering to others, there's no time to be depressed. And God fills your life, and I mean this literally, he fills your life with more passion than most of us can handle. But it has to be about others, not about ourselves. So talk to him. Open the word. Again, if you're depressed, you don't feel like doing it, but that's when you need to do it the most. And I want you to remember there is an enemy out there. And I personally believe, and this is just me, but I personally believe that depression is one of his greatest weapons. And once he gets you in a place where you're thinking about yourself, then he's going to pound and he is relentless. And so that's why we have to fight. So get up and move. Get up and read. Get up and pray. Get up and serve. And just see what happens. Because the Holy Spirit will take over. But as long as you're focused on you, Anonymous, there's going to be uh, this giant opening for the enemy to take advantage of. Is something wrong with you? No, there's nothing wrong with you. Just surrender to Jesus and trust by faith, he's got a good track record. Trust by faith that he has a plan for you on that particular day that will absolutely throw you. So I hope that answers your question. Don't think about you, think about how you can be a blessing to others. Everett says, Pastor, I am very shy, and the very is all caps. I'm very shy, I don't do well in crowds. What keeps me from enjoying church? Can you help? ever I'm going this is kind of the same as uh, the question I just had uh, about depression second um, Corinthians five seventeen says if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. Here's what you have to do. you have to step outside of yourself and let the power of the Holy Spirit take over, and then it's him flowing through you to others, and you're going to do wonderfully in church. You know what I do, Everett? Uh, I'll have people come up all the time. I see, Pastor, Ron, we're pretty new to the church, and we love the people, and we love the teaching, and we love the worship. So, how can I serve? What can I do? And if they tell me they're shy or they're uncomfortable in crowds, the first thing I'll do is tell them, "Okay, here's what I want you to do: want you go see Pastor Matt and ask him about getting on the on the usher team." The greeting team. You see, that forces you to get out of your comfort zone. And it is an amazing thing. I've seen it over and over and over again, Everett. I've seen so many people who could barely talk to someone. And a month later, they're, they've got new friends. They've got uh, 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 other people that serve that they can hang out with. Um, they can't wait to get to church. And so be involved in others' lives. And I promise you, because it's hard for you, because of your shyness, what the Holy Spirit will do is fill you so full of himself that you'll wonder soon, how, how was I ever so shy? I was getting ripped off. So get over you. I tell our church all the time, and they know I love them. So ever you don't know me, you don't know that I love you. But I tell them all the time, got to get over you doesn't matter what you are, who does Jesus want you to be? And remember, the whole point of our walk with Jesus is to be more like him every single day. To love him more and to be more like him. Yesterday, in my message, um, talking about uh, the fruit of the Spirit, and I was talking about, we were talking about the, the Palm Sunday uh, Bible study, Mark chapter 11. Jesus was looking for figs in a fig tree, but there was nothing but leaves. And I said, you know, Jesus is still kind of digging in around the the uh, trees, leaves of our lives. Sorry for that break. I had to sneeze. <laughs> and, and so he's looking for fruit. And one of the fruits of the Spirit from Galatians 5 is goodness. And it's an interesting word. Uh, it's a word that really doesn't mean anything. It's not like, um, okay, I'm going to be good today. It's not like that at all. It's just sort of a contact goodness. It's like the more time you spend around Jesus, the better, the more like him you become. You can't help it. If you spend time with Jesus, then he's going to rub off on you. And and uh, in this particular case, you're shy. I say, Lord, I know you want us to talk to people about our faith. You want us to share the gospel. You know the problems I have with that. So Jesus, I'm going to do it anyway but I can't do it without your help. When you take that first step of obedience, like this tidal wave of of power will come behind you. And that's the Holy Spirit honoring the step of faith that you made. Everett, I hope that helps you. Thanks very, very much. Remember, usher ministry, it's always good. You're forced to meet people. That's a good thing. Here's an anonymous question. If someone in my family is transgender, how should I approach our kids when the rest of the family thinks it's okay, uh, or thinks that this is okay behavior? Uh, Anonymous, these are hard things the family is going to isolate themselves from, and you've got to be ready for that. But here's the one thing, as a Christian now, we can't ever give approval, uh, even benign approval, to something that's so ungodly. Um if you've got somebody in your family who's transgender, that person is going to hell because they don't know Jesus Christ. So what we need to do is share the gospel with them. Um, but but you got to tell people, look, I'm a Christian. You guys all know who I am. I can't affirm sinful behavior, and this is sinful behavior. The same thing is true with homosexuality. Uh, the same thing would be true if somebody is a thief or a liar uh, or a drunk. We cannot affirm sinful behavior. And so this is what you do. You sit down with your family and say, I'm not going to toe the line here. I'm not going to go along to get along because I I love this person in my family. I'm going to tell him or I'm going to tell her the truth. And that's what you have to do. We live in a crazy time, Anonymous. We live in a time where uh, things that have been absolutely right and true for thousands and thousands of years, suddenly no longer are. And, and I would ask you to consider who's on the wrong side of this. God doesn't change. We're created in the image of God. And people who live like this want not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't you love this person enough to want them in heaven? And we're concerned in this world about happiness and about feelings. and uh, You're going to be the one who demonstrates in heaven... That you really and truly did love this person enough to tell them the truth in love, so just get ready for your family to, to uh, separate from you to disown you because that's typically what's going to happen. Thank you for the question three four zero ninety five, eighty five for your live calls and questions. Here's a question from Randy, kind of along the same lines. How should I respond to professing Christians who are really woke and don't take the Bible seriously? Randy, you don't respond. You declare the gospel to them. They say, I'm a Christian. Ask them, well, how would I know it? Because there's nothing about your life that is consistent with the word of God. So what makes you think you're a Christian? And most of the time it's, well, I was raised in a Christian home. Or, well, I believe in Jesus. But but you don't believe in him if you're not doing what he said. So don't get in arguments with them. Just share the gospel with them. And let the Holy Spirit do the work. So, um, you know, these so-called progressive Christians, they're just people that aren't born again, Randy. They're people that have chosen to um, side with the world rather than with God. And, um, you know, throughout the word of God, we're called to stand with and for Jesus. And that's what you've got to do. So it um, doesn't matter what they say they are. I, I really, I, I want us all to get this. Um, somebody says they're a Christian and we believe them because we want to. Um, but, but saying you're a Christian doesn't make you one. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. And what we do, how we live our lives, is the way we demonstrate what we really believe. And these professing Christians that you speak of um, are really woke uh, because they have nothing to do with God. They don't know who he is at all. So they're not really Christians at all. Don't give them any credibility, at least their statement of of having believed. Um, Don't give them any credibility. Here's a question from Meredith. She says, oh, I like this one, Meredith. I'm dating a pastor, and it's starting to get serious. What should I be worried about as a potential pastor's wife? I wish this was the date they show, Meredith. Maybe Paula will make a note at home and, uh, and, and talk about this one as well. Uh, let me tell you, if you're, if you're dating a pastor and it gets serious and you, and you end up getting married, um, it is the most blessed and privileged life possible. The opportunity to serve other people, the opportunity to watch people grow. Today we started our Calvary Kids Bible School uh, here uh, for the summer. And to see all these kids around. And uh, Meredith, the the thrilling thing for me was to see kids that, that were born here in this church. And now they're in their teens and 20s and they're coming back every year to serve the little kids at Calvary Kids Bible School. Um, uh, and, and you just see, oh, Lord, look what you've done. And you're going to be there for people at, at the, 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 the worst times of their lives and the best times of their lives. It is a wonderful, wonderful life. Um, and and I, I, I can't recommend it enough. What should you be worried about? Um, just make sure um, that you're walking together in unity. Make sure that doctrinally you're um, um, in sync. Uh, Make sure that you both love Jesus more than anything else. Um, Make sure that your relationship is pure now and holy. Um, And then as the Lord leads, go for it. Um, The thing I would worry the most about is missing it. If I were you, that's the thing I would be worry the most about this is a wonderful wonderful opportunity and uh, the fact that you're married to a pastor doesn't make your life any more difficult it does make it different uh, it'll put you in a place where uh, people are watching uh, that's got to be okay with you you know I, I tell people here at the church all the time we got to be able to say follow me as I follow Christ for me personally um, uh, I've got to be consistent. Uh, i got to be sure that uh, Paula doesn't see any duplicity, that that I'm the same um, when I'm teaching or preaching as I am when I'm at home. Um, uh, Just consistent and really in love with Jesus. And I'll be interested if Paula wants to add to that on Thursday. And Paula, I know you're listening. You don't have to if you just feel like the Lord uh, has something for you. Meredith, God bless you. Go for it. 340-9585. Here is a question from, boy, I don't know if this is Nunez or Nunes, uh, N-U-N-E-S. Nunez. Um, I ran out of things to pray for and feel like I'm just praying to be praying. What else can I pray for? You know, Nunez, I, I don't think you, we ever ran out of stuff to pray for. Um, it, it's not a matter of what am I praying for. Paul says to pray without ceasing. And once you think about the Apostle Paul's life, um, you know, back in, in his day, uh, they traveled on horseback or they traveled by foot from place to place. So Paul had a lot of traveling time to be able to pray. And and literally when he said pray without ceasing, what he meant was that he's always in uh, a relationship with God that is based on communication. Um, So if you run out of things to pray for, um, then then just praise the Lord. Just talk to him. Uh, Jesus said he's your friend, so talk to him like he's your friend. Talk to him like you would if he was there in the physical realm. Just talk to him. And that's really what prayer is. Prayer isn't just a laundry list of things that you want God to do. Um, j- just pray for people in need. Um, I-, I never run out of of things to pray for in that regard. There's always a lot of people that that I know uh, um, need prayer. Uh, people that are hurting. Um, so there's always things to pray for. But if you run out of stuff, don't just invent stuff. Just just praise the Lord. Just talk to Him. Just thank Him. Be grateful and make sure that your prayers. Our company with a right heart, and I think when we do that, Nunez, um, there's there's nothing that will will hinder our prayers. So uh, just just talk to him. Let your prayer be natural, and when you're done praying, you're done. You know, I'll I'll be praying. I, I have a bad habit of this. I'll be praying when I'm out running or walking. And and I'll have a blessed view. I I pray in groups of things because that helps me remember not to forget people. And um, uh, I'll say, okay, Lord, thank you for hearing my prayers. If you have anything you want to say to me, um, give me ears to hear. And then I'll 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 walk a little bit or run a little bit and and I say, oh, I forgot this, Lord, and I forgot that. So stuff comes running back to mind and to heart. So. don't feel like you've got to accomplish anything with your prayer. Just talk to the one who loves you so much. One other thing, Nunez, said, I think is really important for all of us to enhance our prayer life read the prayers in the Bible, especially Paul's prayers in Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 3, Colossians uh, in the first chapter in particular. Um, read the biblical prayers, uh, get familiar with them, and pray the Bible. We got one lady in our church. We have Saturday morning prayer here. And uh, when she prays, almost always, it's nothing but pure Bible comes out. And her prayers are so encouraging. They're exhorting. Uh, they're thrilling to listen to. And and every time she starts to pray, all I can think is, this is a, a woman who really knows Jesus. This is a woman who knows his word. And her prayers are getting heard. And her prayers are getting answered. And so just just let the the prayers in the Bible. Uh, Isaiah uh, chapter 1, he's got uh, a magnificent prayer. Daniel, uh, in his uh, prophecy, has got some wonderful prayers uh, that that we can learn from. So just learn from um, the prayers in the Bible, and then the Holy Spirit will take over. One other thing, I know I said one other thing a minute ago, but one more thing. This would be a wonderful time to pray for the gift of tongues, Nunez. Pray for the gift of tongues. You know, when I don't know what to pray for, uh, having the gift of tongues is wonderfully comforting to me because I know that I'm praying in the Spirit, according to the Spirit, and that means I know that my prayers are being heard, my prayers are going to be answered. Even if I don't know what they are, it's okay with me. And that's a wonderful opportunity to use the gift of tongues. Final question for the day. No phone calls today, but the time went pretty fast. Uh, This is anonymous. Uh, He or she says, I don't want my kids going to public school any longer. Is it okay to send them to a Catholic school? The answer is no. No. Find another alternative. Uh, You have to pay to go to Catholic school? Find a Christian school. Um, uh, Homeschool. Just do anything. but, But... You know, while the education, the the general education in a Catholic school is fine, we're teaching our kids a wrong concept of who God is. Uh, We're we're teaching them really to to be doctrinally um, errant um, and unsound. And when they're going to need doctrine in their lives, they're not going to have it. And you're going to confuse them. Um, uh, sending your children as a born-again Christian to a Catholic school is a horrible, confusing idea, and and just don't do it. Uh, I understand your frustration with public schools. I would no longer allow my children in a public school. One of the things that God has blessed us with here is a free school. Now, we got a long waiting list because we don't have enough room, um, but we've 22 years had a free christian school and and the kids are 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 being taught uh but they're also being taught correctly about who jesus is and our focus is on graduating kids that love jesus or at least kids that have had the opportunity to love him, and and at least they, they had to make the choice so anonymous no catholic school for sure hey remember tonight um we have Uh, Sweet Summer Devotions, Rosalinda Gonzalez, will be sharing her heart. You can do that at Com. And Paula says, Meredith, she'd like to invite you to tomorrow's Women's Leadership Meeting. Uh, Please email your info to questions at calvaryessay.com, and we'll contact you right away. Meredith, great question. Hey, Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then.
1: Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh, celebrating our 10th year of ministry on AM 630 The Word. The Word to Stand On for Life airs every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life is sponsored by Calvary Chapel San Antonio.